Verdugo back to the pen. He oh. caught it. He took it back. He's doing everything right now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the TC and Company podcast. Tom Karen with you here as we wrap up the final couple of weeks at Fenway Park in Boston. And of course, one of the big stories as the Red Sox get ready to uh, wind things down is the pending free agents for the coming season. There's been a lot of talk about Xander Bogarts and whether or not he'll be back. Uh, but obviously other key members uh, of the past few editions of the Red Sox are up as well. We talk about J.D. Martinez or today's guest, Nathan Evaldi. Uh, Nate Evaldi, of course, came in that 2018 season, uh, along with Steve Pierce, came mid-season, and they were both hugely instrumental in the Red Sox, winning the World Series that year. We'll never forget that incredible relief performance at Dodger Stadium as he uh, just kept uh, taking the ball inning after inning and wound up having the uh, longest relief appearance in World Series history. Uh, didn't win that game, but the Red Sox saved that bullpen and won the World Series. Now he's working his way back from an injury. The The shoulder inflammation uh, has been holding him back uh, <clears throat> more than two dozen games now, but uh, another live BP session uh, leading towards a minor league rehab and then hopefully a couple of starts here at Fenway to wrap it up. Uh, and then who knows what the offseason will hold. So plenty to talk about along with one of the uh, most uh, popular pitchers in uh, the last few years of the Red Sox. So this week's TC and Company podcast with special guest Nathan Navaldi. Nathan Navaldi with us uh, this week on the podcast. And, uh, you know, Nathan, uh, it looks like you're going to throw here tomorrow. Is that the, the plan? Alex said uh, probably three innings, give or take. Uh, sort of take us through this time of year especially. It can be a little tough to find rehab games, the process yeah. that you go through between your last live BP and now the decision to do live BP again. Yeah, we're having a little bit of those difficulties for tomorrow too because I think we have something going on in the field with the fans tomorrow at like 11.45, so the field has to be cleared and available for the Royals to use. And I think we're going at, I think we're starting at like 9.45, 10 o'clock in the morning, so there's nothing like a nice early morning having some baseball in. It'll be like Patriots Day. Exactly. It's like a Patriots yep, Day start. Yep. We'll, we'll have some people run outside. It'll feel like the marathon. Uh, you know, you asked me actually the other day, and it was kind of – it seemed like a funny question at the top, but somebody sort of said, you know, why go through all this mm -hmm. at the end of the year? And I assume it would never even cross anybody's mind not to, right? Yeah. If you can throw, you're going to throw again. Exactly. That's the way I feel. And, you know, if this is to be my last year here with the Red Sox and, you know, being able to get the last two starts in, especially at home, I mean, it means a great deal to me. And. Uh, you know, I feel like in a lot of the ways I, it's been a letdown season for me with all the injuries that I've had and, you know, especially with where we are um, in the division, you know, no, nobody ever, we never want to finish last place and, you know, I'm not saying that we will. We still got a little bit of time left. Hopefully we can keep up in that fourth spot, but um, you know, to me, if I'm healthy, I want to be able to be out there on the mountain competing and giving the team a good chance to win. So you brought it up, the uncertainty of the offseason. Mm -hmm. uh, has that been a challenge at all to block out? I mean, you've been through this before. It's not like you've been with one team your whole career, but you've been here a while, and this has become a really important place for you and your family. So is that something you consciously have to make sure you're not thinking too much about? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I do a really good job with just taking it day by day and really not worrying about the future. I know that as long as I'm healthy and I'm going out there and competing, you know, my agency will help take care of everything out there and, you know, just being a good teammate and, um, you know, doing a lot of the little things right, I feel like helps and goes a long way. Um, you know, I really try not to put myself first. And like I said, I try to focus on one day at a time and the little things that I can control. 
family tends to be the one with more questions than yeah. you, right? You're the guy in it. Uh, I'm sure they, you know, how, how do you handle that? Especially as your family gets a little older around you here and, and they start uh, hearing things. What has that been like? Yeah, that, that, that side's a little tougher just because they don't really, they're not here every day, so they don't really understand it as well. But, um, you know, you got close family members that don't even really realize that, you know, you get to the field at 1 o'clock every day before a 7 o'clock game. They think you roll in at 6 o'clock and get ready to stretch and go out there and play the game. So, um, you know, but with my son, he's a diehard Red Sox fan now, and that's what he's grown up with me being. He's like, you've never played for any other team. It's like, well, buddy, you know, you've been to the Marlins and you've been to uh, the Rays field and things like that. And he's like, no, I haven't. It's like, okay. He's like, well, you can't play with anybody but the Red Sox. And I'm like, I understand, but there's a good chance, you know, that – you know that control that it's out of my hands and I can't control it, but it's uh it's always fun talking about it with him. That part of it probably isn't a ton of fun, right? Talking about the uncertainty, but on the yeah. other hand, how cool has it been that 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 he's getting to the age now that he can appreciate what you do and you can share that with him? That that side of it's really fun. Um, you know, he's in kid pitch right now and he's having fun going out there and competing and. And I think he's on the Friendswood Knights right now, and he's like, who are the Knights in the big leagues? And I'm like, oh, there's, there's no Knights over there. He's like, why, why am I on this team then? But uh, he's having fun with it, and it's just the little things, you know, you get to give back to him and all, everything you've learned along the way. And, I mean, it's obviously baseball is something that I love doing, and going out there and competing is one thing, but now, you know, you get to watch it watch him go out there and have fun, and that's what it's about. It's a game, and you're, it's all about going out there and having fun. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to get paid to do you know what I love doing. How much has has the family allowed you to sort of put all of this in perspective? The highs, the lows, the injuries, the health. Uh, you go home at the end of the day, you're dad. You're exactly. not uh, the pitcher. I mean, that's that's one of the main things is my wife. She's been an, an incredible inspiration for me and just everything that she does that allows me to be able to play the game. You know, both my kids are in school now and, you know, she's at home and taking care of the kids and holding down the floor. And I wouldn't be able to do this without her and, uh, you know, everything that she does for me in the family um, so I can't I can't thank her enough for all the sacrifices that she makes and how well she takes care of the family but like you said I get to come home and be dad as soon as I get home and it's always fun the kids are always excited to see me and we whether it's going outside and playing or playing down in the basement little things like that but give her a little break but I'm like at times I'm like oh well, why don't you go lay down and take a nap or like have some fun she's like well no I want to spend time with y'all too and I'm like okay I, I understand that as well and you know, I, I'm very thankful for the family that I have. Are you the good cop at home? Like, I always yeah. felt like when I was traveling with the team, like, you have a Thursday off or something, you know, yeah. kids have school, and you're like, no, no, man, I want to go out to the park and play. Like, my wife was like, why do I got to be the disciplinarian all the time? <laughs> I feel like a lot of the times I have to be the bad cop because she's the one that's always with them 24-7, so she can't be on them all the time. And at times, you know, we, of course, you know, with, uh, you know, parents, you have to be on the same same side can't have good cop bad cop that's how we manage it anyways and um for the most part I, I tend to be the bad cop because the kids think that they can do whatever they want with me and i gotta lay down the law at times <laughs> i think that's true i think that's yeah. how it worked out with us uh do you want to be here next year i mean if you had your druthers yeah i mean i, I love being here i love you know the organization ac the way he manages the team and just keeps everybody in a tight tight group and then of course the fans you can't say enough about the red sox fans they show up every day i mean even with where we are in the standings, we still have sellout crowds, and the support that we get from them is absolutely incredible, and I can't thank them enough. Um, yeah, I mean, being, being here with the Red Sox, the ownership, it's every year we have a chance of winning the World Series, and I think last year, you know, being two games away from that, and then having the team, that same team last year come in this year and adding Story and you know signing Whitlock to a long-term deal, it's, um, you know, we, we made the right moves that we had to do. We just, we 
getting accomplished what we set out to do this year. You, you've been with other, you know, franchises that have had great success, obviously mm -hmm. Dodgers, Yankees, you know, those organizations. Uh, what is it about this place, these fans? Because it does seem like really since day one, and again, that was a World Series run, uh, but but you seem to, to have, uh, the, you know, your, your work ethic, your style seems to resonate with this crowd right from the get-go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know, really, honestly. I, I'm just thankful that they do appreciate the work that I put in because I try to put in a lot of work. I take pride in what I do out there on the mound and just trying to go out there and compete and give the team a good chance of winning the ball games. Um, you know, obviously it's not just me that is a part of it. You know, it's a lot of the things, a lot of the team, the staff that we have behind the scenes that do such a great job. Um, you know, even the TV announcers and guys like you, you know, it's like you're constantly pointing out the little things and making sure that the fans understand you know, the hard work and the time that we put in and um, just going out there and, again, going out there and doing what we love to do and compete and win ball games. Again, you had experience in New York, so it's not like you didn't understand pressure, but uh, people talk about Boston being a place that not everybody can thrive, not every yeah. player can take to it. Was that – did you take to this from day one? I did, yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like it doesn't take much for me to be happy. And, um, you know, being over there with the Yankees, they also – try to put the best team out there to win ball games but I feel like a lot of it is uh you know they have the money to show for it too you know they go out there and they get those high name players and um you know they have all the nice things over there brand new stadium and the clubhouse and you know Fenway being one of the oldest ballparks in the division it's the oldest now right oldest yeah, in with, baseball with now Wrigley, yeah. Yeah, and the upgrades and stuff um you know it's hard to it's hard to have those upgrades around here it's yeah. hard to it's hard to um, add the nicer things because of how old the stadium is and we understand that as players and you know with the fan support and just again being able to come out here to a packed Fenway house and you know, the last card with the wild card game against the Yankees and it's like you have that home field advantage and the fans I believe are the ones that make the most of it you know being able to go out there and have them at your back and support you through thick and thin um, you know I mean, they pay to come into the games too so if you're not doing well you deserve a boo here and there but um, you know just them being understanding and knowing that we're working and we're trying to win another championship is the main thing. Part of when you're in a situation like this late in the season is tough decisions had to be made. And, and Kevin Ploiecki being DFA'd, uh, he's one of the most popular guys in, in, in the clubhouse on this team. Obviously meant so much this team over the last couple of years and meant a lot to you. How, again, understanding that you're a pro and you've been through this, you're a veteran, but how tough is it when, when a, a guy you really like uh, has to say goodbye in, in season? Yeah. I mean, that one that one's very difficult for me. I mean, Kevin and I have lived together the past two years in spring training, and, you know, he's been one of my go-to catchers um, that I've had in my career. And, you know, like you said, everything that he was able to do for us, he's very selfless when it comes to, you know, whether it's getting knocks and stuff, you know, he knows that his priority is guiding the pitching staff in the rotation. And, um, you know, he takes a lot of pride in doing that. And, you know, he wasn't our everyday guy, but every time that he was out there, he, you know, gave us a great chance to win. And he's a competitor. You know, he doesn't take any days off when he's in the dugout. He's always getting guys going. And, and the team, the, uh, the team leader that he was without, you know, being one of those everyday guys, that's hard to do. And, uh, for me, he he did a lot of the little things right, and you know he's going to be a part of a championship team one of these days. And you know I wish we could have gotten there last year for him, but I mean I was, I was very disappointed when I learned that he has uh, you know we let him go last night, and you know three weeks left of the season, it was 
definitely frustrating. Alex said it was kind of a rare moment. A lot of guys hung around, had a beer, kind of mm -hmm. just spent a little time with them. You don't usually see that, right? It's the business. Right. A guy moves and, and you, you guys all kind it. of move on. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, it sounds like it was pretty emotional. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I had left early last night. Um, like got out of the clubhouse quick, obviously stayed for the whole game and stuff. But um, I didn't realize until I was already home that we had let him go. And you know, we talk all the time and we text and stuff. We're close friends. But uh, yeah, a lot of guys stayed around last night. And again, like you said, that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, a lot speaks you, to who Kevin is. It speaks to who Kevin is and how much of an impact that he had on the team and you know the role he had for us. When you uh, when you talk about catchers like that, are you a guy who feels you can really throw to anybody? You know what I mean? When or or do you build those relationships? And I, I mean, you've you've got one with Connor Wong, which yeah. is interesting, right? Because you guys have thrown so much in the off season, mm -hmm. so that already had a little chemistry before he even got right. here. But does that help? Yeah, it, yeah. I think you have to build that chemistry, especially with me having five pitches. At times, you got to know what I like to use and how I like to pitch. And you know, Kevin caught on to that really quick. And you know, Vasquez did the same thing. Wong, um, I haven't thrown to Reese yet, but I mean, we've got. Um, you know, I I think it's. I think it's tough. I think it's tough to develop. You have to have a catcher who's you can't call the same game for everybody. And you, every every pitcher has their own strengths, um, and you know a catcher needs to know what those strengths are as a pitcher, whether it's good or bad. And you know getting getting it back in the count or when everything is going good, still like not overusing a few pitches, being able to change up the mix. You have five pitches. I, I was wondering at one point, like, are there enough buttons on the pitch come for like where they, you know, between the pitches and what they want you to do with them? Do you, you know, kind of get limited? I haven't found out exactly how many buttons we have. I think <laughs> there's eight buttons on there, so I got I got room for a few more pitches to learn. But yeah, the pitch come usually has, you know, fastball up in zone or fastball down and away, fastball inside. So I, I definitely have enough enough buttons okay. right now. So you're not limited by no, pitch come. All right, that's important. Uh, when when we talk about uh, uh, this team and and where it goes from here, uh, how do you motivate your Yourself, and in your case, maybe it's unique because you are coming back from an injury. The motivation is to get back on the mound and finish this season strong. But it, it can it be a challenge? You know what I mean? When when you're again not mathematically eliminated yet, but yeah. the standings are right there. They are what they are. Uh, does, do you, does your experience sort of help you just keep going day after day, no matter what the standings are? Well, again, it goes back to the fans, you know, and we we don't want to let them down. I mean, we've let them down with where we are in the season, but for us to just give in right now, that'd be you know letting the fans down. And again, knowing that we're going to be out here every day, competing and still putting in the work to go out there and finish the season strong, and still give the fans what they want to see, and it's victories and us going out there and you know doing the little things right. Um, but again, going along you know from the past, past experience have definitely helped. I've been a part of teams that when we've lost 100 games, and that's never fun to be a part of. And I feel like we haven't had a lot of blowout games here. Um, you know, a lot of the times it's it comes down to that last that last out. And, um, I think that means a lot. On the mound, you know, we talked a lot about the velocity being down in that last stint you were on, and you seem to be developing into a guy who was sort of using all your pitches a little more. Was that like chicken and egg? Is because velocity's down, you can't rely on the fastball quite as much? I think so, and also too, everybody's starting to throw a lot harder now. Yeah, but it's being able to locate your off-speed pitches, and I think if you can do that, it makes your fastball play a little faster. And you know, when I didn't have my fastball at its normal velocity, um, you know, I, you got to mix. You can't just stay in one part of the zone or um, you know stay on that one pitch. Um, I think for me, a lot of the times my curveball turns into be my changeup just with the speed difference of it and how much it breaks. So obviously using that a little bit more to get guys off my fastball and then having the cutter, which is a cut fastball or the split finger fastball, you know, it, it, all those pitches 
help the fastball out more. Is the curveball the slowest pitch you throw? Yeah. Yeah. So are there times you literally just use it to get guys off the other stuff? Yes, 100%. I mean, I, I think I finally realized that last year because growing up, you know, change up to change up. That's the pitch of changing speeds. But curveball's the slowest one that I throw, and that's really the change of speeds. And my splitters, my strikeout pitch. You know, it's my second pitch that I go to, and you know, being able to attack guys inside with it. I think of like just the way I attack guys and the zones I use it, and help to help tunnel the pitches to make them better. And to me, my curveball's my slowest one, and being able to use it as a you know a first pitch strike, where obviously they have to be geared up for the fast stuff. So I, I can usually steal a strike with it, and then later in the counts, if they've been fouling off some of my past stuff, I use the curveball. One of the things that's been really fun covering you over these years is is your you know you've got a great arm, but you're always thinking about it. You're always trying to reinvent yourself a little bit. How can I make this pitch year to year? You might change the mix. As you're an older guy now and a veteran, are those some lessons you can share with young guys? I feel a lot of young guys yeah. show up with golden arms, but mm -hmm. probably haven't given it the, the thought pitch. you've given it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the times, too, with um, hitters, they're always learning and adapting as well. I mean, we've seen it over the course of the, you know, the years, you know, in 15, 16, it was like the splitter was the pitch that everybody was learning. 17, 18, the cutter, and then, you know, the high fastball. And, you know, it's really just trying to stay a step, of the, step ahead of the hitters. And I think you got to know your strengths as well as, you know, the hitters' weaknesses. And the hitters are all struggling on, you know, sinkers. I'm going to come back next year with a sinker. I don't know. <laughs> so. Well, Michael Walker said it was funny. Early in the year, Michael Walker told me that, you know, he was walking back through a cage. You notice everybody was working on the high fastball. Yeah. He's like, so he started throwing a sinker. He's yeah. like, it's the cat and mouse game. I got to exactly. start getting back down in the zone. Exactly. I mean, you always want to try to step, stay a step ahead of the hitters. And I mean, a lot of the times the hitters are always working and it seems like they're playing catch up with the pitchers. So, you know, we got to keep developing. And I think that helps with, uh, you know, having the five pitches. I feel like I can control them and throw them all at you know, any count, and I, th I feel like a lot of the times if a team's struggling on sliders, you know, I got I to gotta work on my slider a little bit more because that's going to be the pitch that's going to help get me out of some jams. Pitching uh, rule change is coming next year, the pitch clock. I, I, I don't know that anybody who's playing the game at the major league level loves any change, right? You guys have played a certain way. You think it'll affect you? You move pretty quick to begin with, but. Yeah, I've never, I've never had to, you know, use it. Um, I think a lot of the times the hardest thing for me is just finding that pitch to use but I think with the pitch calm it's going to help with being able to just say no at times and you know real quick you know batter swings I can say no 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 it's just again the catcher and I having that relationship where we know what pitch we want to throw and um, I don't think it'll be too big of an issue like you said like I, I feel like we can get on the page same page relatively quick and then just going through the deliveries but um, you know I think it's going to be tough on the hitters to have to get in that box and be ready to go. Yeah, and, and I, I just feel like there's always unanticipated consequences, right? The whole, like, how many times you can throw over to first. I mean, the, exactly. There's going to be a key game somewhere that either a ball's going to be called for a time violation yeah. or you're not going to be able to check the runner and he's going to waltz over to second base. Something's going to happen in one of these games. I think that's one of the main issues that we don't like the rule changes is you don't want a game to be dictated on you not pitching fast enough out there, going quick enough. You know, you got bases loaded in a full count, and you're—I mean, it's obviously—it's a huge moment in the game, and you want to make sure that you got the conviction to throw that pitch. You're saying no, 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 and then you get balked. And game's over. I mean, nobody wants to see that happen in a big in a big league ball game. Uh, the shift—do do pitchers generally favor you know regis legislating the shift? I I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of ups and downs with it. I think. You know, obviously when the shift works, everybody likes it. And when it doesn't, you're like, oh, it was a ground ball right to second base. And you feel like he should have been out. But 
you know, they have their reasonings behind it, and there's always the percentages to back it up, and it's hard to be able to, you know, argue with that. Most fans don't understand. Like, you don't pitch to the shift, right? The whole concept of the shift is the analytics are saying, now maybe you do. I, yeah. I feel veterans do a little bit. If you got nobody over on the side, you're not going to pitch exactly. outside, right? I mean, essentially, that's the way I feel. I feel like I can beat anybody with any pitch, and, you know, if, it, if we got three guys on the left side of the field, then I'm probably going to attack a batter a little bit more than I'd, or a little bit more in than I normally would. But they don't want you to, right? I mean, they don't want you to. They want Correct. you to pitch as if everyone's in straightaway positions. Correct. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. I mean, because we, you know, we watch, right? We're not in it. We watch, and and you'll see nobody on the left side with a left-handed hitter, and it's an outside pitch that a decent hitter can just yeah. slap down the line. That or just that bunt, you know. And again, a lot of guys they I'm don't. Surprised bunt. more guys don't do that. They don't do it. But again, you know, it's it's like kind of the same thing with that win that win loss. It's you got three guys on the left side. All you have to do is poke it the other way, and it's a base hit. But a lot of the times they don't do that until they got two strikes on them, and they're beat with a you know a slider or a splitter down and away, and then they just reach out there and slap it over there. We saw it last night with uh, Perez Salvador. This week we celebrated uh, Roberto Clemente Day. Last year you were the nominee. Uh, what did that mean to you? Did, did did you get to learn much about the man and 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 what his impact on this game is? I did. Yeah, we went to the uh, the museum this year as well when we were in Pittsburgh, and it was awesome to be able to experience it. I mean, everything that he was able to do for the game of baseball and the way he gave back. I mean, we, there's very few of us that are in this situation to where we can, you know, you're playing for the Boston Red Sox, one of the most, you know, um, big league teams out there. You know, the name that the name says it all, and for you to be able to put on that jersey, but be able to go out there and kind of help out the community and give back. I mean, I think that's what the biggest thing was, and you know, ultimately, you know, he paid the cost with his life. Right. Incredible, yeah, yeah, what incredible, he did. yeah. yeah. Um, but everything that he was able to do for us in the game of baseball and the way he's changed it, 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 it it's, a, it's a huge honor for me to be able to wear that jersey on that day. And, and you've taken that seriously, all your work with the Jimmy Fund, even, even through the pandemic. And I know that was real tough. And kudos to you, you know, talking to Lisa Sherber and the people over there. It would have been easy for you to say, you know, listen, when we're back, I'll be helping again. But, but you took it to heart. You, Zoom calls and meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what is it about that cause and those kids and those families that resonated with you so much? Um, you know, I, I'd lost my grandpa two years ago. He had lung cancer. I was, I, I was kind of in those shoes of being a patient, not a patient, but just being in the hospital and, uh, you know, watching him go through it. Um, he had gotten diagnosed when we, I think it was August. And, you know, it was the, the I'd always talk to him after, my, after the games on the phone. And, uh, you know, those phone calls got shorter and shorter where he was just running out of breath and he just couldn't do it and then by the time I got home he was in and out of the hospital and um, just eating hospital food and little things like that and you got other patients right across the hall it's it's um, it's hard for everybody else to realize if you haven't been through it and unfortunately I, I was I experienced it and um, you know obviously he meant the world to me but just you know these parents obviously my kids and everything mean the world to me but these parents that are you know their kids are diagnosed with cancer and it's Cancer resonates, I feel like, with everybody and just being able to go through that moment. And, uh, you know, you never want your kid to suffer and you always want the best for them. And you, if you can take away their pain, you know, I feel like every parent would do so in a heartbeat. Um, to make those kids smile and just to have it a, us be almost a distraction for them, going in to see them at the hospital and them seeing Wally and everything, um, it means the world to me to be able to do that and help out. And I know when I came over here in 18 and 
even in 19 with Brock and Mitch, being able to go into the hospital before the pandemic was, was always, those are always like the highlights of my career, being able to give back to those kids. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that with COVID and everything going on. So it's resulted to the, the, uh, the Zoom calls and the you know phone calls and little on-field experiences. But I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that one day we'll be able to head back into the hospital and really give the kids you know, what they deserve. All right, wrapping it up here. These uh, last couple of weeks, uh, Xander's already used the word emotional when he talks about what this is like. And again, we don't know what the future is. Maybe you're back here next year, but knowing that you might not be, have you thought about what that might be like? Or, or as I ask you now, what, what do you think it'll be like here if it's that final series and you're pitching what could be your final game here at Fenway? Yeah, I mean, I think Bogey kind of you know sums it up with it being emotional, and then you know Ploiecki being sent or being released last night. I mean, it's it's it's. It's, it's getting a lot more emotional and you know I'm going to take a lot more pride in it as even more so than I normally do on these last two starts and you know I'm going to be thankful that they're both going to be here at home in front of our our fans that have given me so much and hopefully it'll be a good outing out there you never went in on a bad one but go out there and be able to give the fans you know a couple last you know two last last starts it's going to mean a lot to me appreciate the time Nate yeah, good thank luck you. thanks thank good you. to see you so if all goes well, it looks like after the uh, live BP session, uh, Ivaldi will make a rehab start, and that could line him up to make a start against Baltimore here at Fenway and then another against the Tampa Bay Rays in that final series of the year here at Fenway Park in Boston. Hard not to root for a guy who has uh, done so much in the community and done a lot on the field. Again, I, I don't think the Red Sox win the 2018 World Series without him. So we will see what the future holds uh, for Nathan Ivaldi and these Red Sox. And uh, we hope to see you back here in the future. See you next week. And thanks for listening, watching this edition of the TC and Company podcast.